Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Good morning. How are we? Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you online for joining. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, welcome. Uh, my name is Bradley Hamilton. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so excited for this morning. Um, I said it last week, and I really mean it. Uh, I think this, out of all the parts of the series, is my favorite, and so I'm really excited to, to get into it. Before I do that, a couple of things to let you guys know about. Uh, next week, Brian is back with a new series called My Church. And uh, the reason we're doing this series is because we know that church can be an obstacle for a lot of people. The people that you're inviting, maybe you're in the room, you kind of feel like it is. And we really want to talk about what is church and is it more than just a place to sit? Uh, we think so. We think it's a movement that you can belong to. Um, and so that's what we're going to be talking about. So I think it'll be incredibly helpful and clarifying. If there's someone in your life who can benefit from that, I would invite them to next week. Um, but it's going to be a great time, my church, next week. Um, also, Easter is just around the corner. And so we're talking a lot about Easter. We, um, It's a big deal here. We have four services across those couple of days. We have an incredible kids program happening. They have a glow party that we do every year that's just a next level. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. So it's a great time for the family um, to be a part of what's happening, but also for you to invite those neighbors or coworkers or um, the family down the street that um, could benefit from this community. Um, I'm so thankful we have a place like this where anyone can belong and be a part of it. And so um, if that's someone around you that, that you've just been wanting to invite, now is the chance. Um, make sure you invite them for Easter. Cool. So let's get into it. We are on part three, the last and final installment of our habit series. And we've been talking about what does it look like to make big change in our lives? What does it look like to get better? What does it look like to be the kind of people that we want to be, to accomplish our big goals, whether they're um, in our physical health or our mental health, our spiritual lives, our relationships? What does it look like to accomplish those big, important things that we all want to accomplish, but don't always get the best chance to? And the data shows, uh, not to discourage you, but as people, we're just really not good at this. Uh, it's why that 92% of our New Year's resolutions fail before Valentine's Day. That just means that not a lot of us are actually accomplishing and moving forward on our goals. And so at least that was the camp that I found myself in for a little while. And so I wanted to know why is that happening? Why is that happening in my life? And could I figure out and find a way um, to actually move forward on really important things I wanted to do? I just didn't seem to be making much progress in. And so as I began to read and study over the last couple of years, I found that this wasn't just a question I was asking, it's a question that a lot of culture was asking. And so there were a lot of psychologists writing about this, there were studies being done, a lot of those have become New York Times bestsellers. And so people were asking this question, we're trying to figure out how do we move forward and make change in our lives. Uh, but the other thing I found was that it's also uh, talked about a lot in scripture. And there's a lot in whether what Jesus said and whether some of the authors of the Bible said about what it meant to make some big changes in our lives and to accomplish our spiritual goals. And so to the Christ followers in the room, let me just let be real for a second. A lot of the conversations and the goals that we have are spiritual ones. That maybe you're looking at your life and you want to have a closer relationship with God or know more about the Bible or, or you want to pray more. Maybe you want to lead better spiritually or you want to lead your family spiritually. 
uh, maybe you just look at your life and you go, man, a lot of the things that I, I want to change and, and, and be more like Jesus in certain ways. And so you're trying to make change in your own life. We have all of these spiritual goals that we're trying to move forward on. And so I think for us, this is actually a really, really important topic and a spiritual one to be focusing on. How can we make sure that we're actually accomplishing the change that God has in front of us to become the all we can be and all that he wants us to become? And also for the, you're not a Jesus follower in the room, or you're trying to figure it out. You have questions. You're not sure where you stand in faith. I think this is going to be a really helpful series for you too, because a lot of what I'm sharing isn't even from the Bible. A lot of what I'm sharing is, like I said, it's from psychologists, it's from studies. And so you can take out some of the spiritual stuff, and I still think it will help you and make your life better. Now, I think that Jesus backs up a lot of what we're going to see in science. I think a lot of this data is mimicked throughout a lot of what we're going to see in scripture. And so um, our hope is that you can just investigate here at your pace that you can figure out your questions. You belong if you never believe or before you believe or regardless of your questions, regardless of where you are in faith, you belong here. You have a community of people who, who want to just surround you and be a safe place for you to investigate whatever that looks like for you and however long that takes for you, okay? Um, so I think this will be really helpful as we dive into it for you as well. And so here's what we did. We looked at week one. We want to talk about what does it look like to make big change and the number one factor for being able to make change in your life. It is not your family history. It is not your economic standing. The number one factor that data shows that we can change and make a big change in our lives if we change how we view ourselves. The number one factor is how you view yourself. It's your identity. And what we looked at was this identity loop. And we saw that your identity causes you in some ways to make decisions. And so if that's a, a negative identity, maybe you picked it up along the way somewhere and someone had said something negative about you and you just took that for whatever reason and it was an insult, it wasn't even true, but now you sort of hold on to that. Or maybe your negative identity came from a mistake that you made. And now that you feel that thing has just marked you and you can't seem to let go of it. And so whatever that is, now that's something that you've just held on to. And so you have this negative identity. It's not true about you. Um, it's maybe based off of just one, one failure one time, but now it's, it's become an identity that if you were to be honest, you wouldn't say it maybe out loud, but you believe it. You believe that, oh, I'm just not good at relationships. Or you believe I'm just not a good student. Or I'm just never going to be X, Y, or Z. And so you have this negative identity and then it's going to cause you to make these small little decisions. Not sweeping decisions that really move the needle, but just, just one action because you think I'm already that. So if I'm already a bad student, I'm going to procrastinate a little bit. If I'm already bad at relationships, I'm not really going to try in this one. So you just start to make these small decisions based off of what you believe about yourself. And then over time, those small decisions, they didn't move the needle once. They didn't change it just because you did it one time. But over time, you begin to make these decisions. Now they've become a habit. And now as they've played out in your life, they've been a trend. And now that trend backs up the identity. So now you go, yeah, if it's, a, if it's a negative habit I keep doing, of course I keep doing that because that's who I am. Of course I can never do good at school because like I said, I'm a bad student. And so you live now in this negative identity and you feel in a lot of ways stuck because in some ways you are. And so the opposite is also true. If we wanna make positive change in our lives and we wanna see things be different, then it starts with a positive identity. It starts with believing who you really are. It starts with looking at your successes and your wins and your talents and, and the people who love you and what they say, and not just that one person in elementary school and going, and who am I really? And, and if you're a Christ follower in the room, I, I, would, I would look at what does God say about you? And if God says that you are chosen and made new and perfect and not your failures and that he is for you and with you and you are unconditionally loved and have worth, then if you live out of that place, it begins to inform your decisions. And you begin to love somebody unconditionally because you've been given unconditional love. And you begin to take a risk in faith because God's behind you and you can take a risk. 
And all of a sudden you make these small little decisions that aren't maybe moving the needle right away, but you're making them because of who you believe that you are. And then as you make more of those decisions, they become habits in your life. And then the same is also true. That habit now is enforcing that positive identity that you're going, yes, of course I am this because that is always what I do. Total different. And so that's the number one place we have to start to go, who do you say you are? And that's why I encourage you to ask is who am I and who do I want to become? Because if you can figure out who you want to become, then it's really clear on what to actually do. And so that was week one. Then week two, we looked at, let's get started on this. How do we now start to make change, believing who we are, knowing who we want to become? And the start is often the hardest thing to do. And so I encourage you to choose one small discipline. Now, discipline is not a word that we like to use. Um, and you'd be crazy if you liked discipline. No one gets excited about discipline because that means that you're actually going in opposition to how you are naturally wired. So your brain is wired to choose no work for max comfort, the, the path of least resistance. That's what your brain wants every single time. The problem is the important things in life, they need some work. The important things in life actually take some effort. And the important things in life aren't always about sacrificing the long-term for the short-term gain. They're actually the opposite. That we need to look toward the long-term and maybe even sacrifice for the short-term, which is not what your brain wants to do. And so a discipline goes in opposition to that. It says, because I know who I'm going to become and I know my default isn't wired that way, I'm going to make choices that are in opposition. They may be difficult. They may be uncommon. Maybe no one else is doing them, but I'm going to do them because I want what no one else has. So I have to do what no one else is doing. So we choose discipline. Now I said, start small. And I think that's key. Because as soon as you take this big, sweeping, massive goal, it is so much easier to fail and it is so much easier to give up and walk away. So we end up never making changes because the goal that we set out in the beginning was, was maybe even impossible. And so just start small. How small can you make your discipline? So if your goal was to be financially stable, right? It's a great goal, but don't start there. Start with maybe just buying less Amazon purchases, right? Just small, small step and eventually it'll help you get there, right? Maybe your goal was to know scripture and to, to, to really understand that God more like, maybe you just need to start a reading plan five minutes a day. Just do something on version on the version app and just, just take a reading plan and then get with five minutes with God. It doesn't need to be this big, massive step. It just needs to be something small. And as we begin to do those small things over time, they will begin to build. And as they begin to build, you will find yourself slowly becoming more of who you want to become instead of quitting on your goals before they even start. So what I want to look at is how do we do that? How do we make sure that they stay consistent? That it's not just one small decision one time that doesn't move the needle, but that we consistently make choices and decisions that become patterns in our life that move us where we need to go. I think the answer is, and this is the title of the series, I think the answer is habits. I think we have to make our small discipline a habit in our lives. Now, a lot of what I'm about to talk through is from Charles Duhigg. He wrote The Power of Habit, and it's an incredible book, especially if any of what I've been talking about interests you. He goes a ton deeper, um, but he talks about this, and here's how he defines a habit. He says, a habit is a choice that becomes a nearly unconscious pattern. It starts as a choice. It starts as something that you choose to do once, but over time, it just sort of became a pattern in your life that you don't even really know you're doing. So if you think about, you can see this in all areas of life, but maybe think about when you started to learn driving, right? When you were learning how to drive, you put focus behind everything that you did. 
You made sure all the windows were clear. You made sure the mirrors were lined up. You were focusing on how hard to push the brake, how hard to push the gas, how fast you were going, when to start accelerating to meet a certain spot, when to start decelerating to meet a certain spot. You were paying attention to your turn signals. You had so much focus in every element of everything that you did when you drive. And now in a lot of ways, you probably just get in the car and don't even think about it, right? And some of that for you shows. Um, I'm just kidding, kinda. And uh, you've now begun what used to be a conscious choice and took a lot of focus. Now it doesn't need much focus at all. You just sort of do it. It's a pattern. It's just part of your life. And we see this in in so many different areas of our lives. In fact, 40% of our decisions are unconscious. 40% of our decisions are just this. We're not choosing to do it. We're not meaning to. They're just sort of how we live out our lives. So we wake up, we have a routine, we go to work, and it's just all patterns of behavior that we aren't choosing to do. That is 40% of our life. Now, here's my question. Wouldn't it be great if you could take that one small habit, the thing that's going to make you better, the thing that's going to get you where you want to be and build you into who you want to become? What if we could make that a habit? What if we could make that something that we do almost without even meaning to as part of our lives consistently? Uh, Charles would say that we can. And I think we can. I think that this series can really help us do that. So what I want to do is look at what he calls this behavior pattern. He says that really the answer is going to be figuring out how habits are built and then reverse engineering how those happen. So here's, here's how patterns are built when it comes to habits. First, you have a trigger. Right? A trigger is simply that. It's something that triggers or cues your brain to do something automatically. All right. So just something you see, something that happens in life and you automatically have a new action that follows it. So this can be several different things. For some of us, it's a, it's a place, right? Every time we're at that place or see that place, we act in a certain way. So this can be, you get in an elevator and you just pull out your phone. Don't even mean to, you don't think about it. It's just something that you do, right? You, you lay on your specific spot on the couch and you reach for the remote and you turn on Netflix because that's just what you do when you're at that spot of the couch, right? It's a place that just triggers something to happen. Right? Some of you, your trigger is a person, right? and you see that person and they're just walking through the door and you're angry. Like they haven't said anything and you just, you feel it in you, right? Or, or anxiety, you start to get anxious because they haven't done anything yet, but this, this person just for you triggers a lot of anxiety. Maybe it's an emotion. Maybe when you're stressed out, you just find yourself reaching for that drink or that donut or whatever your vice is. And that emotion in you begins to trigger you to do something. There's a trigger and then the trigger is followed by an action. This is the thing that you do. So every time I see X, I do Y. It's just, it's just how it happens. It's a, maybe started as a choice. You maybe did it one time, but over time that thing began to be associated with that trigger. So it started off as just here and there. And now it's constantly, when you see that trigger, this is the action that follows. And then here is why we continue to do it. It's not just one time, even if it gets negative later, there is some type of reward that follows it. There's some type of reward. So this is, you know, you see the trigger, you perform the action, and then you have that like rush from the sugar rush of all the the junk food that you just ate, right? It feels good for a second. So there is a reward associated with it. There's something that that happens when you open an Amazon box that you're like, this is just so exciting. You get all this dopamine hit, right? And, And that tells you, okay, all I did was I saw Amazon, I bought something, I got a reward. This is how our brain is wired. And so our brain begins to take that reward and associate it with the trigger. So now every time we see this, we know if we just do this, then we feel this. And now we're stuck in a pattern. This is how patterns are created. We're not choosing to, we're not meaning to in most cases, they just sort of happen. And now we're stuck in a spot where we just see things and act without even meaning to. This is 40% 
of our decisions. And now the good thing is that a lot of these habits are working in our favor. A lot of these habits are helping us to become the people that we want to become. But a lot of these aren't. And some of these are working actively against us. Some of the habits you see in your life are going in complete opposition of where you say you want to go in life. And so what do we do about those? I think this is why Paul's statements in Romans are so relatable. Paul, even if you're not a Christ follower, if you're new to church, you've probably heard about Paul at some point. He wrote most of the New Testament, sort of the right half of your Bible. He was a great Christian leader, a great church planter, and even he would write to Christians and say this, and I love the statement in Romans 7. He says, I do not understand what I do. It's for I, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. So he's going, I, I feel this habit loop. Like I'm, I don't want to do things. And yet I just seem to kind of be making these decisions. Maybe they go in opposition to the kind of person that I want to become. And then he continues to said, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this is what I keep on doing. He's showing us what, what science shows as well, that is your brain is, is just wired for a default. And your default does not go toward your best. Your default goes to your most comfortable. Your default goes to the most satisfaction. It does not go toward your best in life. And the way Paul describes it is how what, what this Christ followers believe is that it is a sinful nature. In other words, th- this is in all of us that all of us at some level are broken, are not at our best, are not at God's best for us. And so every single one of us struggles with this desire to go against our default that oftentimes is not at our best for us. And so for even for Paul to say that I struggle with this, for me, that just encourages me. And there's a lot about Paul's story that encourages me because if you look at his life, you might know him as the great church planter and the leader, but that is not where he started. And Paul started in opposition to the message of Jesus. In fact, um, when Jesus was alive and people began to follow him and he was claiming to be God, he had some followers and um, the, the, the religious elite who that was pretty blasphemous to say, I'm God, began to just think, okay, we have to end this call. We have to end this movement. And so the best way to do that is to end their leader. And so they do, they kill Jesus. And what they thought was going to happen was the movement would be over. And for a few days, that was true. Everyone ran, there were no more Christ followers, but then something began to happen because all of the same ones who were running, hid, scared, said no more Jesus, began to run back into the streets and say, "Never mind. he is who he said he is, he is God because we've seen him. And all of a sudden this movement they thought they'd put to an end began to spread like never before because hundreds of eyewitnesses were saying, we saw him die and we saw him alive again. And so Paul said, okay, if killing the leader didn't work, then we need to go kill all of the followers. And so as he is literally pulling families into the street, torturing them and murdering them because they're claiming the name of Jesus, something crazy happens in his life. And he claims that he saw Jesus as well. Just like all of these eyewitnesses, just like everyone was claiming. And so um, he did a complete 180. He had to give up all of his affluence, all of his comfort, everything he was used to, all of his leadership. And he took on the life of the people that he was torturing. And he began to be tortured and persecuted for claiming the name of Jesus. He just believed it to be that true. And so a guy like Paul now had to make a lot of changes to become the Paul that we read about and celebrate. I mean, think about the, the, the difference his life had to take as he looked at his life to go, I have to do things differently. I have to make big change. I have to establish goals. And so if a guy like Paul can do it, I feel like so can I, and, I, and so can you. And so whatever that changes for your life, here is what he writes to Christians as they're trying to figure this out. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but that is not to the flesh. 
to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. His point is that if you live by your default, if you just live with every whim of what your brain wants to do and every action and following your heart, there will be things in your life that will die. If you just live by default, your marriage could die. If you just live by default, your career could die. Living by default, your health could die. But then he goes, if you could disrupt that, if you could choose to live differently, if you could go against that natural pattern, he would say for Christ followers, if you could follow the life that Jesus has for you and you could lean on him to help you do it, you will find life. You will find thriving in those areas. It just looks like going against the grain and disrupting the pattern that 40% of our lives is run by. So let's do that. As we close out, let's look at the habit pattern and see if we can disrupt that to actually work in our favor and stop holding us back from the people that we want to become. So here's what we're going to do. First, I want you to create a small trigger for your small discipline. A trigger, something that would cue that discipline to happen in your life. This may be something that's already happening in your life, something that you see every single day, but what is going to cue your brain to begin to do that one small discipline? Find it and then put it into your life. Now, Charles would say to make this as visible as possible and as easy as possible. So here's what he suggests. If you want to work out every morning, then what do you see every morning? Your room. So he says, get your workout clothes the night before and put it right there where you can see it. So it's, it's one small step, but it's so visible. If you get up and that's your cue, then you know every time I get up and see those clothes, that's when I begin to work out or to run. He says, make it incredibly visible and incredibly obvious. The other thing he suggests, I have found this incredibly helpful, is to actually habit stack. So in other words, what you would do is you would use a trigger of a habit that you're already doing, okay? So if you already brush your teeth every day, I hope some of us are doing that. If you, if you already do that, then just take the habit that you want to do and partner with it. In other words, when I do this, after I do this. It's that simple. So if you wanted to floss and you wanted to make that your next habit, I know I picked an easy one for the illustration, but you can go, okay, after I brush my teeth, then I floss, right? Now you can make it really visible and you could take the floss and sit it next to your toothbrush and go, after I brush my teeth, I see that I need the floss. Make sense? You're taking a habit that you want to do and you're partnering with, with another habit. So it could look different for you. You go, okay, every single time something you already do, right? Every single time I put my kids down for a nap, I'll pray for five minutes or two minutes over them, right? Every single time I get home from work, I will tell my wife one thing that I love about her. Something you're already doing, it's a small habit. You're just working that into your routine. And that's the trick. Figure out where in your life can you take this discipline and just work it into a natural pattern. It might take some time. It might take some reminding, but as you begin to do it, your habits will encourage your other habits. Now, after you make a trigger, the opposite is also true. So now you need to create a reward. So build a reward based off of whatever you're doing. This seems really trivial, but hang with me. It's not, okay? Whatever that reward is, some of these are going to have natural rewards, right? So this is like the dopamine and the endorphins that you get after a run, like a runner's high, right? Some people say that they get those, I'm told. Um, I've never experienced one for myself. But uh, Apparently that's the thing that can happen. So, so that's a natural reward, right? You've done an action and you get a reward from it. So a lot of these things are going to have natural rewards. If you're doing something for somebody, their appreciation is that of reward. So just make sure there's a reward. But there are other things that don't have attached uh, tangible rewards to them, right? Um, my toddler has yet to come up to me and go, Dada, thank you so much for investing in my life spiritually and praying over me every night. He hasn't said it yet, right? 
there may not be a perceived reward for whatever you're doing. So find out a way to do that. Find out a way. Maybe it's uh, you just start journaling yourself or keeping a log of the progress you're making for whatever habit you're wanting to track. Uh, maybe you find someone else that you can text that knows that you're doing this. So you can kind of talk about it as you go and you can text them every time you do this small habit. Find a way to reward yourself. Uh, one of the things I love most is on the YouVersion Bible app, if maybe one of your goals is to, to read more, to, to learn more about scripture, it's incredible because what they have is these small reading plans. You can select some that are just a couple of days or a week and they'll break it down. They'll make it really easy. It's kind of like bite size. You can pick a topic that you want to study or go through or whatever. But then what they have on there that's really incredible is that they have these streaks that you can complete. And so every day you hop on and read even just a verse, it'll tell you like, congratulations, you read another verse. You've been four days reading a verse or whatever it is. And that sounds really silly, but it's not for your brain. Because what you're able to do, especially for those of you who are a little competitive, you're able to compete with your friends and see your progress and celebrate it. What it's doing is it's working in a reward to help make this a habit. It's not trivial at all. And so I would encourage you, whatever that is, look for a reward and a way to build this in. Now, here's the last thing. And this could be a whole other message or uh, another series even. So I'm only going to scratch the surface. But this is also how you get rid of negative habits. If you were to work this backwards and try to figure out there is a habit currently, a small decision I find myself in a pattern of making that I want to remove, this is the same way you would do it. Now that you know how habits are built, figure out a way to remove the trigger that's causing that habit. And so what is that trigger for you? If there's an action that you continue to fall into, that you go, this thing is not working in the direction that I want to go. This is not building me into who I want to become. What is triggering that action? And remember I said earlier, this could be a place, this could be a person, this could be an emotion. And so real quick, if this is a person and every time you're with them, this happens, I would encourage you to remove the trigger. I would encourage you to, to maybe not remove that person completely from your life. Maybe, maybe it's not even for a long time, but I think there is something that happens and data would show us this. When you spend time continually with someone who is causing you to fall into a negative pattern habit, that that is going to keep happening if you're still with that person. And here's how Solomon would say it. He says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. I don't think you need data to back this up because I think you see it true in your own life or it's played out in some version of this or with your kids, you've kind of seen this, but you are two times as likely to develop a habit if those people around you have it. Two times as likely. So it's a good habit or a bad one. And so look at the people you're around. If they are triggering you to fall into this, and here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you only hang out with people who are just like you. I'm definitely not saying that Christ followers, you only hang out with other Christ followers. I'm not saying that at all. But if there is someone that for whatever reason is triggering your brain to fall into a negative pattern of habits, then you need to owe it to yourself to do something that maybe no one else is doing. It may seem uncommon. It may seem difficult, but you need to do whatever you can to remove that trigger if you truly want to do something to move in the right direction of where you need to go. And that might be severing ties with someone. Maybe it's a place. Maybe every time you're in that environment, this happens. And so stop being in that environment. Maybe if, if every time you go to work, you stop at this place and, and eat this bad food because that's just part of your routine and you just do it every morning on your way to work, drive a different direction to work. Then it's amazing. If you just don't see it, if it's not around you, then it's not gonna have as much of an effect to trigger you. So maybe it's a place, maybe it's an emotion. 
And maybe every time you feel a certain way, you begin to act a certain way. And the tough thing about emotions is that we can't really remove those emotions, right? We're still going to feel those. So instead of just being able to remove the trigger, make it incredibly difficult to perform the action. Uh, So for me, um, I've realized lately that I'm a really bored eater and drinker. So when I'm bored or I'm just, you know, nothing to do around the house, I will just find myself walking to the pantry and just looking in it. Do you ever do this? And then I'll just walk to the fridge and just look in there. And then if I don't see anything in either one that I liked, I'll walk back to the pantry and see if there was something I missed the first time, right? And back and forth and back and forth. And I found myself just eating a lot of the same things, not because I need nutritional value or not because of any reason beyond. I was just bored. It's an activity. It was something to do. And I found myself in a pattern of eating the same things every single time I was bored. I might not can always erase boredom from my life, but you know what I did? I just stopped buying those things. I would go to the pantry. They're not there. I go to the fridge and there's carrots and hummus. And that's my only choice now, right? So if I want it, there's my action. All you have to do is remove or make it more difficult to perform the action if you can't change that emotion. So maybe for you, you need to do something a little crazy. Maybe you need to have someone that you talk to that that knows about this, knows about this bad habit that you're trying to change. And every time you feel this emotion, instead of going to that thing, you need to text them and have them help you with the next steps. Maybe... If every time you feel a certain emotion or if every time you feel alone or lonely or sad or whatever it is, if you find yourself slipping into things like online shopping or viewing things online that you know are hurting you, you, what if you made the decision, again, sounds crazy, to give someone else your password, to make it so difficult to add another layer to where just because I feel an emotion does not mean I have to act this way. What if there's a layer that you have to jump to really make you think about whether or not you need this next step? and give someone else your password and let them control what apps you have on your phone, let them control notifications. I know it sounds crazy, but what sounds crazy to me is continuing to fall into a pattern of behavior that you know is hurting you and your family. And to me, that just seems so crazy. Why not do the crazy thing to get out of it? Why not do the thing that's gonna help us escape? It may be uncommon, it may be difficult, but it may be the thing holding you back from finally becoming the person that you want to become. Paul writes in another letter and he says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, he's writing to people going, hey, what, you, what you're experiencing, other people have experienced it. You're not alone. And God is faithful. He's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. I don't want to get up here and pretend to know whatever that temptation is for you, whatever that thing is that you continue to find yourself going to in this pattern of behavior. And I don't want to imply that getting out is easy. But I do want to tell you there's hope. I do want to tell you it's possible. And I do want you to hear this morning that you are not alone in it. And I, here at CC, we have a big heart for this and we have a ton of resources for whatever your hang up or whatever your habit is. And some things are beyond the scope of, of what we can help with. We have an incredible network of, of counselors and professionals and other resources um, that if you go to our website and you just click the resources tab, it's why we make it like one of the most accessible things. So we really care about this. You can find so many different resources for whatever you're going through, but maybe that's your next step. Maybe talking to someone or getting in rehab or getting help, maybe that's what it's going to take for you. 
And what I want you to hear is that there is a way out. In fact, for all of us, whatever that thing is that you keep falling into, I hope you see this morning. I hope you see as you just clicked on this and you're watching it. I hope you see this as evidence as God loving you, as God showing you that there's a way out, as God showing you that he cares about you enough not to just leave you where you're at, but to join you in this journey to help you find your way out of it. You are not alone. You have a God that cares about you so much and you have a church family who is with you in this journey. There's a way out. And maybe for you, the fact that he's talking to you right now in the back of your mind is, is evidence of that. He's ready. He's with you. But we've got to do the action that's opposite of how we normally default. So here's my question. Every week I've given a question, they sort of added on to each other. So this week's is the longest one. But here's what it is based on who I want to become and the one small discipline I want to start doing consistently. What is one trigger that I need to create or remove? Just adding on to the weeks before, if you weren't here the last two weeks, there you go. You're all caught up. What is, who do I want to become? What is the one small discipline I want to start doing? And now what is the one trigger that I need to create or remove in order to make that happen? Now, here's what I know. You might write down the answer to this. You might take me up on this challenge and figure out this question. And you are going to feel like, because this is what I feel like, you are going to feel like after you complete it, you're going to go, that is incredibly small. And that is one little thing. And that's going to help me in that one little area. But man, I have so many other things I want to do. And that's good. And that's okay. In fact, that should be off of us. And I don't think you ever get to a place to where you're going to look at your life and go, yeah, all good everywhere. So that's okay if you see that, but here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Just start with one and just start small. And then once that small thing begins to become a habit in your life, a true habit that you're not even really thinking about, it's just sort of a pattern. All of a sudden you begin to become more of, of who you wanna become. After that begins to happen, then add on another one. But too often we try and just make a bunch of changes all at once and we don't actually move the needle anywhere. And so I would just say, start incredibly incredibly small. And here's my hope. My hope for this whole series, I pray it every single week before I've started, is that we would get to a place at the end of the year and go, you know what? I'm not exactly where I want to be. I'm not yet the, the perfect spouse or the perfect parent, or the perfect Jesus follower. I, I'm not where I want to be fully. Thank God I'm not where I was. And wow, where I've come. And wow, this, this past year, the things I've seen God do and the progress I've made, maybe for the first time in forever, an area I've been asking God about for so long, I have seen progress. That's my prayer, is that we would celebrate the fact that God is moving us into who we are becoming a little bit more by the end of this year. And we're not going to be done and we're not going to be perfect, but man, let's make progress. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for how you love us. I thank you for the identity that you speak over us, that we are forgiven, that we are made new, that we have worth. And God, I thank you for the fact that it's not a coincidence that you're speaking to so many of us right now on how to keep going and how to be different, how to be more of who you want us to become. So as, as we start this, as we step out, some of us in, in some, some big ways, some of us are, are taking some some just crazy steps in order to finally see progress in our life. God, I pray you would help us to do that. I pray that you would give us the courage 
to, to maybe speak up or to take that step or to talk to somebody else. I pray you would give us the boldness to be able to just continually and consistently do the, the difficult thing. And God, I, I truly pray that we would begin to see progress and that we might stand at this end of this year and go, wow, look at what God did. I love you. I thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.